Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic, you know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes! Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. All right, what do we want to talk about tonight? Friday, it's 7 o'clock. The weather's been nice all week. It has not been that way today. It's been windy. Windy as hell. I'm betting college hockey. First time I've ever done that. Lake Superior State, UMass. The over. If anyone else out there did the same, you might hear me reference it along the way. It's 1-1. Let's go. Not a lot of hockey on the docket today. It's just kind of depressing. You know, you're going into the weekend. You want to be thinking happy thoughts. And I don't think we need to do much, if any, on the Sabres at this point. Because it's just all... I'll start with them, and then we'll move on. How about that? It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. 803-0550 is the phone number. No Brennan Keeney tonight. Rejoin me next week. Kevin Adams and this current roster, Eric Stahl gets traded today. It's the first step of many deals that will come like it. And that is because the Sabres, going into the year, I I said this a lot, going into the season. They had set this year up as an all or nothing type of year. I don't know if their expectation was that. I mean, you do have Terry Pagula on Mike in Beyond Blue and Gold saying the Taylor Hall signing is about going for the Stanley Cup, so maybe they did. But I don't think any of us realistically thought that they would be great. You know, we we talked about maybe they could get themselves into a playoff race, but making the playoffs, doing any damage once you're there... That was just a foreign concept. But that's kind of how the team was set up. All these unrestricted free agents, all these one-year deals for everybody, not just for the guys coming in from out of town, but the guys that you re-signed. Sam Reinhart, a one-year deal to make him a restricted free agent again at the end of this season. Casey Middlestad got a one-year deal. How about Linus Omark got a one-year deal? Really, the only guy that didn't get a one-year deal that they re-signed this past offseason was Zemgus Giergensen's, and we talked a lot about that signing three years. Why would you do that? But in large part, one-year deals. Taylor Hall, one-year deal. They signed him. And it sounds like that was mutual on both sides. The Sabres didn't want to do a long-term deal. Maybe Hall didn't either, but the Sabres didn't. Eric Stahl, they traded for him. Marcus Johansson to Minnesota. He had one year left in his contract. They wanted to make sure the guy they were acquiring also had one year left on his deal in Eric Stahl. And then, everybody else that's got contracts coming up. Brandon Montour, Carter Hutton, who else? You got some guys further down the depth chart. 
AHL guys. Maybe that's it for, you know. Oh, well, if I'm thinking restricted guys, too. Will Borgen, Rasmus Asplund, Henry Yoki Haru, Rasmus Dahlin, UFA, that's the one I missed. Jake McCabe. Jake McCabe is the one I missed. He's coming up at the end of the year, too. How many guys do you really have money committed to past this season? And for the long term, it's really a list of only a couple guys. It is Jeff Skinner, who is under contract for six more years through the 2026-27 season at $9 million per. You're committed to him. You are committed financially to Jack Eichel, $10 million a year through the 2025-26 season. You still have two more years to go after this season wraps up with Kyle Oposo at $6 million per. Maybe you could give, you're not going to give your own first round pick, so maybe that doesn't work. But maybe you could give something to Seattle to get them to take that contract. Um, or even half of it. But, in large part, that's pretty much it, by the way. I mean, I'm looking right now. Ristolainen, last year is the final year. Colin Miller, last year is the final year. Uh, Cody Eakin, Victor Olofsson, last year is it. So, you have three players committed to past next season. In this coming off season, you will have two, three defensemen, no goaltenders, and two lines worth of forwards. That's it. Kevin Adams can put his imprint on this team, and he can do it fast. It is not sitting around like we saw Jason Bottrell do. Bottrell wanted a whole year to figure out what he had, and then he had money committed all over the place, and there wasn't, there eventually was an opportunity to make over the roster, and he didn't do it. But there was a gro- there were growing pains through a team that Tim Murray had built, and Adams is not going to have that same issue. This offseason is going to arrive, and if Kevin Adams wants to completely change over this roster, he can do it. Even with the bigger names. Even with maybe some guys you wouldn't want to move. You probably wouldn't want to move Sam Reinhart, but if a team wants Sam Reinhart, they're going to want him with the flexibility of signing him to their own contract, with him being a restricted free agent. So, that's one bit of optimism, I guess, is that The hope would be, I've said it before, so I don't want to just assume that this will be a a, a 75% different roster next year, but that's that's the hope. That's the hope, because the opportunity for that to happen is there. And I don't need anybody really coming back. I will still side with, yes, I want Jack Eichel back on this team next year, even if he asks for a trade. But even that, the more I see these Los Angeles Kings trade projections that involve Quentin Byfield and Alex Turcott and multiple first-round picks, I'm like, yeah, love Eichel. Love Eichel. He, to me, is the best player I've ever watched for the Buffalo Sabres. Yes, and that is with all the losing. He's the best Sabre I think I've ever seen. And that's tough to give up on. That's really tough to give up on. But man, that package, it's like, wow. Two centers, both top five picks in the last couple of years. 
with Dylan Cousins is like, okay, my my center group, you could sell me on, all right, I'm going forward with Quinton Byfield, Dylan Cousins, and Alex Turcotte. That's my center group going forward. You can sell me on that. But that might be it. That might be the only thing you have a chance of selling me on when it comes to a Jack Eichel trade. So, otherwise, when I'm making this point about changing over the roster, he's not included. I'm assuming and hoping they don't do that. They don't make that move. He doesn't hit the ejector seat, and he comes back next season, and they just try it with different pieces around him. But there's my little bit of optimism, my little bit of hope for everybody. I I hope that I could give you is that this team next year will look completely different. You'll have a pick at the top of the draft. I'm not too thrilled about it, too excited about it. It's not really – it might be one of the worst drafts to be picking at the top because it's all defensemen and none of them appear to be, you know, generational types. This Owen Power from Michigan, he's getting some Victor Hedman comparisons. It's kind of what I see in him when I watch him play. But there's nothing flashy there. Aaron Eckblad's another good example. Like, he's good. He's going to come in. He might be a top-pair defenseman for a really long time. But meanwhile, I'm watching Colorado last night, and Kale McCarr, who I think is the best defenseman in the league right now, he is just, he looks like Connor McDavid on the blue line. He, you can't stop him. He's going to stick handle around you. He's going to fly around you. Quick change of direction. He, lo- he looks like the player I think we hoped Rasmus Dahlin would be out of the gates. That defenseman I don't think is in this draft coming up. So they'll get a guy somewhere between one and four, assuming they finish last. They have an eight-point lead on that. Holy cow. Um, they'll they'll probably get a defenseman, assume, considering the top four guys ranked right now are defensemen, and you'll have that guy added into the mix with a different roster. And there'll be some hope. We, we are, we're able to build it up somehow. We did it with the Bills. Excuse me. We did it with the Bills for almost 20 years. Every year, we would go in, and it's like, there's this new reason for optimism, even though it probably made no logistical sense. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Trent Edwards, J.P. Lossman, like we would always find a way to convince ourselves there was a chance. And I don't know that Sabre fans do the exact same thing, but I'm going to give it a shot. But I'm already in off-season mode, and that kind of sucks because we just went through a nine-month off-season. Sabres are going to let fans in next month, by the way. If you missed that news, head over to WGR550.com. That was really me talking about the Eric Stahl trade without talking about the Eric Stahl trade. I don't think there's much to talk about here. I know some, like Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, I thought it was interesting that he thought it was weird the Sabres only got a third and a fifth, and they retained half his salary. And man, you can't tell me you've watched Eric Stahl play this season, if that's your opinion. That guy has been dogging it all year. He was brought here, I would imagine, to be a positive influence in the locker room, especially towards younger players. And maybe he is good in the locker room. Maybe he's good in video review and helping out You know, Dylan Cousins on the bench and advice off the ice. But, man, on the ice, that guy was setting an awful example for any young player on this team. No hustle, no will, no desire to even be out there. He looked like every time he was on the ice, he just didn't want to be out on the ice. 
And you know what? 11-year-old me is kind of happy that it went this way. I hated Eric Saul as a kid. I, you know what? Of course I want to see the Sabres succeed. And I would have loved to see him come here, stabilize the second line, score 15 to 20 goals, and have the Sabres be in a playoff race, in part because he helped. But if they were going to be bad, kind of glad it went this way. Because I never liked that guy. They stole our cup. I don't want to. I don't want to like him. So, good luck to him in Montreal. I think it's amazing the Sabers got a third and a fifth round pick. I don't. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't think Montreal's watched him this year, or they're hoping he'll be a different player in a different environment, a team that's going to make the playoffs, playing meaningful games. That that could be the case. It probably is the case. In fact, it definitely is the case. 100% the reason Eric Stahl's been dogging it all year is he didn't want to be here in the first place. He's 36. He probably wants to go play, take one last shot at a Stanley Cup. And this is, I mean, could this be further from the Stanley Cup? You can't get further in hockey from the Stanley Cup than what Buffalo has right now with the Sabres. So, All right, I just did 20 minutes on the Sabres. I didn't want to do it, but I got rolling, and there we go. Uh, I did have some thoughts also on the expansion draft this week. Go check that out, WGR550.com. I guess I'll just finish up with the Sabres here, and then we'll move on to football. I got a Bills question on Twitter at Sneaky Joe Sports. Which Bills running back should play the most snaps in 2021? Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, Matt Breida, or a draft pick? Let me know what you think there, and then we will get to what happened at the top of the draft earlier today uh, when we come back as well. But one more thing on hockey while we're on it. That expansion draft piece I did, I really went through because, I, again, I'm already in off-season mode. I am thinking about Owen Power and this Swedish kid behind him in the NHL draft. And I am thinking about this Seattle expansion draft, which is coming up. And I'm imagining many people have not thought about that yet. You might not even know that it's coming up this off-season. Same rules as Vegas. You get two options. Seven to forwards, three defensemen, one goalie to protect, or you could protect eight skaters and one goalie. And the Sabres, I think, have a rare instance of protecting, wanting to protect eight skaters. Find me five forwards that you feel very strongly about protecting. There's four easy ones. And Jeff Skinner is included because he has no movement clause and he has to be included. So Jeff Skinner, Sam Reinhart, Jack Eichel, Victor Olofsson. You want to protect all four of those guys. And again... If you don't know the rules, first and second year pros are automatically protected. You don't have to worry about them. So Dylan Cousins is safe. You don't have to wait. You don't have to use one of your spots on him. That's four forwards. One fifth guy is making it tough. Casey Middlestat to me is having a great season. By his standards, what he set, the bar he set in his first two years in the league, he is clearing easily this year. He is doing a lot of it on the wing. That's okay. He looks stronger. He looks more confident going into the corners. He is better at using his body in the corners. He is digging pucks out, and he is stick handling. He is playing with a ton of confidence. It seems he's playing with a ton of confidence. He is creating, and he is doing... He looks like what we would have hoped Middlestat looked like as a rookie. And maybe this should have been his rookie year. 22 years old, get a couple years in the AHL. Maybe this should have been his rookie year. I like Middlestat a lot. It will suck if he kind of bounce had a bounce back here in his career and starts to realize his potential and then boom he's gone to Seattle but 
I still might prefer taking that risk over letting a bunch of defensemen walk. And the reason I think it'd be nice to protect four defensemen instead of go with the 7-3-1 protection plan, where you only get to protect three defensemen, is Dalin, of course. I would l- I want them to protect Yoki Haru, and I would imagine they're going to. He's still only 21 years old, and he's a restricted free agent, and he's going to be cheap. You're not going to pay a lot to him. So that's two. And then Will Borgen? It was only a couple of games, but he looked good. He looked good. He's taken a long development route to get here. He's still young, 24 years old. He'll be cheap too, restricted free agent. Like, I want to see that through. I want to keep that around. McCabe is a UFA. Maybe you don't have to protect him because, see, see, Vegas didn't really do it. Vegas didn't, they didn't, select guys that were upcoming unrestricted free agents because the expansion draft comes before free agency. But they did it with one guy. They did it with Derek Englund. And then they signed him. And I I would be a little worried that Seattle would do that with Jake McCabe. Because, you know, that would be a tough decision. If the Sabres exposed McCabe, I, I think if I'm Seattle, I don't see much else to pick from. So I might just want to take the risk there. And be like, well, if he signs here, and Jason Botcherill is in their organization, so there's at least a relationship between McCabe and him, and I would imagine Botcherill likes McCabe. I think he signed him to an extension while he was here. Like, that's the upside play if you're Seattle, because McCabe has developed into a top-four defenseman. Great in his own end. And no, not just because he's tough-nosed, you know, grinded out. Like, no, he's, he's getting the puck out of his own end. He is being smart with the puck in his own end, not just chipping it up the boards every time. And if I'm Seattle, that's what I would want to do. So I would not, maybe, I would don't think I would want to take that risk with him. So there's a little on the expansion draft. We don't need to revisit that until probably the summer. Uh, it's going to happen in July. But uh, just a little preview there of what's ahead for the Sabres. All right, 803-0550 is the phone number. If you do have a thought on the Sabres or anything I just went over, feel free to give me a call and we'll get you on. But I do want to switch gears to football. The Bills at running back, they signed Matt Breida yesterday. I love the signing. I think it's very interesting. We'll go over that. Who should play the most at running back for the Bills next season? I think if if the room stays the same from here to the beginning of the season, I still think that's a question mark on what they do. Game in and game out. So we'll go through that, and then the top of the draft. The Jets, I think we found out today for sure the Jets are going with Zach Wilson. And a little intimidated by that. And I'll tell you why when we come back. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. big domino and it's a long shot but if Seattle does trade Russell Wilson it would be interesting to see these two teams do business again after the Jamal Adams trade Ooh, Connor Rogers spitting fire I'm a show up in the Bulldog yesterday from Bleacher Report that is an idea I'm not forgetting about to me there are two teams that I could still see making that massive swing 
for a Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson. And it is very specific circumstances. I think it's Carolina with any of them, either one of them. If Wilson were to get traded, could see Carolina being in on that. If Watson were to get traded, I think right now I would bet on Carolina doing that. I wouldn't rule out Miami still, but that seems to be fading away. Carolina still is obsessed with getting a franchise quarterback. Watson can't really be traded right now. We'll see how the coming months develop. It doesn't look good for him. I guess if it does happen that his name is cleared, I mean, he's got, what, 16 lawsuits against him right now? Um, who knows what's going to happen with that? It doesn't look good for him right now. And if they're true, then he really shouldn't play football this year or longer. So you might not want to go near him. If you have any reason to believe that what's going on with Watson right now is factual, I wouldn't touch that. And no team should. So, we'll see what happens. But Carolina with Watson and the Jets with Wilson. I think if Wilson were to get traded, it seems every day that passes, we're getting further from that week where it was like, oh, this could really happen. Wilson on the Dan Patrick show saying he's kind of upset with the way that they've handled the offensive line situation, and then you've got maybe rumors of him being frustrated with them going back to running the football instead of passing it all the time. And then you had a list coming out from Schefter, like not just some blog, like Adam Schefter reported a list of teams Wilson would be interested in going to. And of those teams, the Jets were not on them, but you had that thing a couple years ago where... Sierra, his wife, and him wanted to live in New York. And the Jets have the draft capital to go get Russell Wilson. So, and if Seattle didn't want to pick a quarterback with anything they get for Wilson, Pete Carroll, Sam Darnold, they got the USC connection. There's a report out there that Carroll likes Darnold. They might trade for Darnold to be their backup. Who knows at this point? That would be scary if you're the Bills. The Jets getting Russell Wilson. But seems like a pipe dream at this point. I don't... The Jets, though... Who scares you more long-term right now? I think Miami's got to be number one of your three opponents. Your three contenders in the AFC East trying to catch the Bills. How great is that to say, by the way? The Bills are the team you're trying to knock off finally. I think Miami's got to be the easy number one. I, I don't know. I think you could make a very strong case the Jets are too just because of what their future now looks like at quarterback. It is almost for sure going to be Zach Wilson. And that guy, everything about him at this point seems very similar to Josh Allen. There is big athleticism there. He's big in the first place. He can make every throw on the field. He's running around in shorts today at BYU's Pro Day, and it is the exact reaction that everybody gave to Josh Allen's Pro Day four years ago, three years ago. It's just a guy wowing you with the arm strength, the velocity, the off-platform throws. He just looks the part. It is tool season, and Wilson is the poster child for that. It doesn't have to work, but you have a recent history 
of those guys coming to the NFL and hitting. Mahomes was that guy, and he is right now playing football at a higher level than any quarterback ever has. Josh Allen was that guy, and he came in in a bit of a slow start, but MVP-level season last year. The Bills hit on that. The Chargers with Justin Herbert. Oh, he plays a spread system, and he's raw, and he's a project. No, he just showed up, and he's great because he can make every throw on the field. He's big and athletic. He's in the same mold as Allen and Mahomes. And Wilson is the next version of that. So again, it doesn't have to work. But recency bias would have you thinking and have me thinking that it is going to work. And the Jets maybe now have some competent coaching to surround him with. And some competent weapons. And maybe some competent competent offensive linemen. Mekhi Becton might be the most valuable offensive lineman in football right now. And they have another first-round pick. They could stabilize that. Maybe they draft a running back. I don't know what they do. But maybe they draft a wide receiver. Corey Davis, is he's good. He's fine. He wouldn't be my number one wide receiver, but he's a good number two. Jamison Crowder is still a good slot wide receiver. Denzel Mims is very promising. Second-year player. Didn't play a lot as a rookie, but big talent there. And again, the coaching. LaFleur, I don't know his first name. It's not Matt LaFleur. It's his brother that is the offensive coordinator with the Jets. He's getting a lot of rave reviews right now. Robert Salah as the head coach. I think I think that could work with the Jets. I don't think it's going to work this year. In fact, I definitely don't think it's going to work this year. They are a non, non-factor in the AFC race in 2021. But go beyond 2021, and I would say the Jets are closer to the Dolphins as being the biggest threat to the Bills than they are to the Patriots. And that might, that's just be, it's not just because of quarterback. Again, it's some of those other pieces around him that I just mentioned. But when you have a quarterback with that ceiling, that's intimidating. You don't want that in the division. It's going to come into your division, but you don't want that in your division. It's a part of the reason I'm very happy Miami is sticking with Tua. I think Tua might be shot. There was no velocity on his throws last year. He looked like, to me what he looked like was what Marcus Mariota looked like after all the nerve damage in his elbow. Where he'd throw the football and it would just take an hour to get to its target. When you think arm strength, a lot of times your first thought is, oh, we're thinking about guys throwing it 60 yards down the field, 70 yards down the field. But arm strength sometimes too is throwing it 70 miles an hour into a tight window. Having the arm strength to make the ball spin fast enough to get to its target before the defensive back can make a play on the football. And that's the type of arm strength I don't see from Tua right now that you absolutely see from Zach Wilson. And thank God, to me, my opinion is thank God that Tua is going to be the Dolphins quarterback going forward. Because I don't want them to have a guy that can make every throw on the field. They've got everything else. It's the perfect environment for a Zach Wilson type. And they could have done it with Trey Lance. They could have just picked Trey Lance at three. Justin Fields. Even Mac Jones. These are all, maybe not Mac Jones, but more so Lance and, and Fields. Those are guys that, again, they could make every throw on the field and they could really do it at any time. Off platform, rolling out of the pocket. The Jets are have been 
the laughing sock of the NFL for a decade. We had Neil Payne of 538 on yesterday, which opened the Bulldog, and their ELO rating, which rates all franchises in sports, had the Jets barely above or just above the Buffalo Sabres as the worst sports franchise in North American sports for the last decade. The Jets were one of the worst. It was the Sabres, the Jets, the Knicks. The Jets have been the laughingstock of the league, but they are making some moves right now that tell me that they are not going to be that for much longer. They might not get to the Bills level. It's hard to get to the Bills level where they're at right now. Championship contender. And if they do, if the Jets do get to that point, it's probably going to be a few years. But they're making the types of moves that you need to make to get there. Competent head coach. A more modern style of offense with your offensive coordinator. Wide receivers that separate. Again, not to the Bills level, but they have a good trio right now of wide receivers that can separate. And a quarterback who has... Sky's the limit. Sky is the limit. Any throw at any time, he can make it. That is how you build a contender in today's NFL. And the Jets are trying to do it the way the Bills did it. In every way. And maybe it works for them. And if it does, they're the team you've got to worry about in the future. Not the Patriots, who are nowhere right now in terms of their future at quarterback. All these Mac Jones rumors. Chris Sims and Chris Mortensen right now are talking about Mac Jones going third to the 49ers? (laughs) I had them for New England. If New England, it more and more seems like they're not going to even get a chance at him. So they might only be going forward with Cam Newton into this season. And then they're starting, maybe, I don't know when they're starting over at quarterback. They're just going to keep trying to win with Cam Newton? Okay, fine. You might get a game or two on me once in a while. But are you ever going to be in a division race that way? Are you ever going to get back to championship contending that way? I don't think so. The Jets... The Dolphins, I'm more worried about them. And credit to the Jets, the way they're building it right now. Again, I think they're doing it in a Bills mold. Other things in the top of the draft real quick before I take a timeout, and then we'll get to this Bills running back conversation. I love the move the Niners made. From 12 to 3, they're in win-now mode. I, I don't believe, I won't believe the Mac Jones rumor. That he's the guy they moved up for. I think it's got to be Trey Lance. I want I want it to be Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan is this quarterback whisperer. Every quarterback that comes into contact with him, you get, he gets the most out of them. And Trey Lance is a lot of the things I just said Zach Wilson are. Huge frame, athletic, huge arm strength, can make every throw you want. Sure, he might be raw, but... If you've got a Kyle Shanahan that can mold that raw quarterback into what you want, you get Josh Allens. And if the Niners get a quarterback like that, with the defense they have and the weapons they have on offense, they have a good stable of wide receivers led by Debo Samuel and and, uh, Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, by the way. You add the quarterback into the mix that can make every throw on the field that Jimmy Garoppolo cannot make, and they are right back 
talking about a Super Bowl contention. And that division, man, that division's crazy right now. They're going to have Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, and then whoever the Niners draft at three. That's the best division in football, which is crazy because it used to, for the longest time, it was the worst division in football. It is the best division in football. AFC East, not too shabby in that conversation. Again, we'll see if the Jets can be competent this year, but AFC East might be one of the better divisions in football too. 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll get to the Bills at running back when we come back. If you Give me a call in the next five minutes with the running back on the Bills or not on the Bills. Maybe you want a draft pick. Maybe you want Travis Etienne for this. Maybe you want Najee Harris for this. Which running back should play the most snaps for the Bills in 2021? We'll go to that when we come back on the lock on the nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Really, to me, the bigger debate is not necessarily drafting the back high. It's more giving that guy the second contract, giving him $60 million after he's had four years of wear and tear on his body, or five years if you take him in the first round. That's the beauty of taking a guy in the first round is that you get that extra year, and in theory, you get a franchise year too. So you might get six years out of the guy before you have to give him that huge second contract. That is Fran Duffy at Eagles XOs. He is the host of the Journey to the Draft podcast. A little running back talk with him earlier today. Um, the draft is coming up in just over a month. There are running backs that I've been interested in and been talking about. Kenneth Gainwell is one that's more of a second, third round guy out of Memphis that I've been talking about for the Bills. Not Travis Etienne, definitely not Najee Harris. Najee Harris, by the way, a lot of Derrick Henry comps. He does catch the football, and he's even good at it. But the big physical running back part of his game, I mean, I just don't go near it. Um, My poll, if you're wondering what the results are, what do we got? By the way, college hockey, 1-1. What are we doing? Come on, Lake Superior State. Got to get over five here. One to one. Uh, which Bills running back should play the most in 2021? Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, Matt Breida, or a draft pick? Zach Moss was on track to be that guy over the second half of last year. He fumbled in one game and got benched. He got hurt in the playoffs. But the second half of last year, Moss outsnapped Singletary on a consistent basis. Now, here comes Breida. And Brita, I, I don't know what to think about what they'll do because since McDermott got here, the Bills really only dressed three running backs on game days. And one of those spots is always reserved for a special teamer. And that has been Taiwan Jones, and they re-signed Taiwan Jones. So I would imagine it will, again, be Taiwan Jones. Which means you have two game day spots left for running backs. And you already have Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, and Matt Breida on the roster. I like Breida a lot. He is, right now, this entire offense, this includes Stephon Diggs, includes Emmanuel Sanders, includes both the other running backs, Moss and Singletary, Dawson Knox, whoever you want. Breida, right now, 
is the biggest threat to score on any given play. You're throwing a dump. Josh Allen is throwing a dump off short. I want that player to be Matt Breida. One of the fastest players in the league. Side-to-side quickness to make guys miss. And I mentioned the speed. The home run ability to pull away from not only linebackers, but safeties and corners. And that is not a trait anyone else on this Bills offense really has. Diggs straight ahead. Diggs straight ahead has that. If you're getting in a foot race with Stephon Diggs, he's going to win it. But Diggs isn't going out there making four guys miss on his way to the end zone. It's just not who he is as a player. He's going to make you miss before he gets the football. That's how he gets open. But once he has the football, he's not he's not making guys miss like that. Breida can do that. And I guess I just don't really want him to be TJ Yeldon 2.0. I don't want him to just be the veteran type that they don't have a lot invested in that is in street clothes on game days and he's only really activated when they have an injury. He's a just-in-case. I don't want Breida to be a just-in-case. I want him to play. But if he's going to play... That probably means Singletary is a healthy scratch. And I don't know. I mean, that seems like a tough sell right now. I I, I hate what they've done with their backfield. Honestly. The Moss pick. Not Moss as a player. The Moss pick sucked. Because they misjudged what they had in Devin Singletary. Singletary is a good between-the-tackles runner. And he has that ability to make guys miss. And just because he's small, or because he's shifty, I don't know what it was. The Bills thought Singletary could be their dynamic, explosive running back. And that's just not him. He's just a nice, efficient runner. And then they drafted Moss. Moss, physical runner between the tackles. That's really the role that Singletary should have been playing. Not the exact same style, but same type of runs. Those should have been going to Singletary. And they should have paired a pass catcher with Singletary. There wasn't really that guy available in last year's draft, at least the ones that produced. Uh, You have guys that were like fast, small backs that were drafted after Zach Moss last year, Darrington Evans, Anthony McFarlane, one of the faster backs in last year's draft. He didn't do anything. So I'm not going to say, oh, they should have drafted Anthony McFarland because Anthony McFarland didn't do anything last year for, for Pittsburgh, if you don't know who that is. Ran like a 4-2-5-40 last season. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, what I'm saying. Should they have waited? Should they have just filled in with a rookie or with a, with a free agent and then waited till this year and then drafted a Kenneth Gainwell? Those, to me, would have been better options because now, now I feel like you just don't have a spot for Singletary. He can't be your pass-catching running back. He's not good at it. He's not. He didn't do it in college. They tried to get him to do it here. They gave him targets. And he's just not efficient at it. So, it sucks for Singletary, but he'd be the guy I'd scratch game to game. The role that that number two complement, not even number two, just the role that the complement to Zach Moss should play, Brita is better at it than Devin Singletary is. And it sucks for Singletary, but that to me is the way it is. All right, a little bit on running back there. Maybe I'll write about that on the website in the coming days. I did want to write about Zach Wilson, though. Last segment, like, the Jets. Keep an eye on the Jets. Not for this year. Long term. If they draft Zach Wilson, 
That's noteworthy. That is a little scary. But the way the Bills are going right now, maybe nothing will be. Um, all right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the show tonight. You can check out all our shows and our interviews throughout the week at the radio.com app and at WGR550.com. Sports Talk Saturday. Tomorrow, leading you into Sabres pregame, Sabres at Boston. That's a 1 o'clock puck drop. So our pregame will start at noon. So tune in for that. Tita Green tomorrow at 7 a.m. with Brian Koziel. And I will be with you next, next week. Thanks for listening. This has been the Nightcap on WGR.